Talk radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. That's his fifth on the playoffs to lead in this third period, which is winding down with 7-11 showing on the clock. They win the faceoff. Here's Ovechkin. Scores! Ovechkin scores right away. And the Caps are ahead again. Ovechkin got all of that shot. All of it. Okay, the Laced Up Podcast, uh, NHL opening nights, October 3rd. Here we go. We're back, second time this week. I am James Cole. With me as always, I'm Bruce Pataglia, and I'm feeling good. Nice. nice. Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Couple pops tonight? <laughs> you know damn well we've been drinking. Um, well, we have. Yeah, so. Uh, the NHL season started tonight. Um, we've had an, a very nice day of anticipation, and there were a lot of good games. Um, but I, I, I suppose for me, the thing that I'm maybe the most excited about, or the second most excited about today, was um, the trailer for Vice, starring Christian Bale and Sam Rockwell and Amy Adams and Steve Carell, which is like a biopic about Dick Cheney dropped today, and mm. that movie looks unfucking real. I'll take your word for it. I didn't even know this was a thing. It yeah. sounds good. I yeah. just I I don't I don't have any knowledge of this at all. So <laughs> yeah, um, that's gonna be a movie. Sure. I would say same uh, same director writer as uh, The Big Short, which was obviously a good movie. One of my big favorites. fan. Big fan. Yeah, it's it's good. Um, yeah. I was really excited about that today. I'm 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 kind of surprised you didn't see the trailer, but that, you know, yeah, shit happens. Busy day. Yeah, first day of the NHL. You know, um, we put out our I guess the time we're recording this, we put out our bonus episode today. Right. That features Cody Fraser. Yeah. Um, that um, seemed to was, actually I didn't listen to it yet. Well, that went over pretty well from what I what I can tell uh, based on. I had a good time. Yeah. Everyone on Twitter today seemed to be uh, you know getting involved, retweeting, liking. Um, we had a big, we had a big, you know, it was a good time with Cody is what I'm trying to say, I guess. Yeah, we had a big, uh, a nice little swag. Big, uh, big guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, it, uh, it was good. It was, it was good. Um, yeah. So four, four games tonight, opening night, I, I thought there was more. Uh, no, there's usually only four. Really? The, the NHL has a formula. What happens is the Leafs generally open against someone. It's usually the Canadians or the Senators, but yeah. sometime, like last year, it was the Jets. Right. But the Leafs always open. Um, usually the Stanley Cup champion will play someone, and a lot of times it's Boston. Then there's the California game late at night, and there's the Western Canada game. Yeah. They have the same formula every year. It's four games, and uh, uh, but they're always good games, usually. Anyway, I mean... Right. We'll, we'll talk about that. Well, I guess yeah. we can talk about the games right well, now. Well, only only two are done right now. There's two still ongoing True. as as we record. Boston got uh, slaughtered. 
so so the Ooh, defending champs wow. are looking pretty good. Everyone's talking about them being hungover. And seven nothing, Washington. Is that the final? Was it seven nothing? Holy shit! It yeah, was five nothing last I checked. Well, sorry. Um, yeah, Braden Holtby, Alex Ovechkin, Kuznetsov. Yep. The boys are looking it's, okay. There's no point in playing the season. It's over. Yeah. Uh, you can leave your Tom Wilson in the press box because they don't need him. Oh, God. We'll get to that. What a fucking... Uh, Yeah, we'll get there. Oh, yeah, we'll get there. Okay, never mind. Um, the Leafs beat the Habs. They did. 3-2 in a... uh, Not shootout. In overtime. In overtime. It felt like a shootout, though, but... Um, I put my John Tavares jersey on at 11 a.m., and I am still wearing it, and I don't plan... I'm I'm gonna sleep in this thing tonight because, uh... Johnny T got his first goal tonight as a Leaf. Yeah. And uh, the other two, Austin Matthews had both of them. And that was it. I took my Matthews jersey off. Yeah. Uh, because I felt he worked enough today. Yeah, that's fine. Whole, okay, all right. So, like, obviously this is partial. Like, we, we admit we're Leafs fans on the podcast and everything like that. No. Um, I think we're still semi-realistic Leaf fans, though. Like, I don't necessarily think they're going to win the Cup. Or anything like that. Like, I'm not getting ahead of myself here. I, my one takeaway from that game. Well, first off, there were two takeaways. Uh, the Habs looked good. Better than I thought. The, yeah. the, Hab, yeah. the Habs look like a team that understand the fact that if they don't fight for every single inch on a night-to-night basis, they are going to get nowhere this year. Yeah. They made um, some difficult lineup choices by leaving some veterans out. Carl Alsner sat in the press box. Placanet set in the press box, yeah, but that's more that was, than likely yeah. to set up his uh, one 1,000th game ceremony right. at home. So, like, you I know, don't really read into that one too much. Uh, but, they, but they made some difficult decisions with the lineups. And, again, they looked like a team that just understood that they won't be good unless they work for it. Right. And they uh, all credit to them. They got a point that. tonight in a game in which a lot of people, I don't think, had them getting a no, point. No. And they're in a, they're in a real tough division. And you're right. Like they have to fight. They have to fight just to stay alive. Like, like you have to figure. Like everyone at this point probably has Tampa and Toronto at least uh, at the top of the division. Boston somewhere near the top. Yeah. Florida's in there as well. Yeah. Buffalo. Buffalo had a great offseason. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. Like Montreal. Like Carey Price looked like himself tonight. He looked really good. Carey Price looked like Carey Um, Price tonight. And and if Carey Price has a Carey Price type of season. The Habs could knock on the door of a wild card spot. Well, that, that, that's the thing we talked so, about before too, right? It's like it's going to be impossible for the Habs to totally rebuild while they have Carey Price on the roster because he's capable of doing yeah, this. Yes, exactly. And like if they didn't have Carey Price, if they had someone else in net, they probably like even on twenty five shots they might get slaughtered tonight. Yeah. Because the Leafs had a lot of really good opportunities. Granted, they didn't have a lot of shots. No. They had a lot of good scoring chances, probably more than Montreal had, although yeah. Montreal had the puck more. Um, they had more shots. But Toronto probably had the better of the scary opportunities because although they looked kind of timid and slow at points, the Leafs, yeah. uh, they found a way to be dangerous in a game where they didn't look dangerous for most of the game. Right. If they find a way to make those chances come more frequently, I cannot imagine what some of the final games are going to look like. Like, they looked yeah. frightening yeah. without a William Nylander and not oh playing all that well. The yeah. defense, 
struggled. Okay. It's, it's it was a, okay. It, it's That's young, not what they're built around, team. right? Either like, like you have Freddie Anderson in that you rely on Freddie, and then you've got the best center core in the NHL, and all three goals came from that center core tonight, and you won the game. So yeah. like, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, like, look, like, this is uh, that was a type of game that they're just kind of built to win. Yeah. Is there are nights where their skilled players are just going to bail them out, and that's kind of what happened. Um, yeah. Yeah, but uh, my takeaway that I was getting at, the second one, is um, I thought Austin Matthews looked really, really good. And yeah. I look like this isn't fucking news to anyone out there. Like, obviously, a lot of people. I'm, I'm a guy who owns a Matthews jersey, but I kind of look at him in a certain way in that he has limitations. I did not see limitations tonight. No, he looked unbelievable tonight. Yeah, and I was I was really quite surprised. Like that is not that's not the Austin Matthews I've seen for two years. He he looked possessed, man. Like he he was on a mission, and and I was really happy to see that. Because, well, uh, I, I I pointed out before the game started that I like, I I kind of thought this was a guy that might contend for fifty. Yeah, on a franchise yeah. that has only had two 50 goal scores in over a hundred years of, you know, um, activity. So, um, I'm not saying he's going to get 50, but I I think he's, he's, he's a, he's a 45, 50 kind of guy. Hey, hey, look, if he plays the way he did tonight and plays that way and stays healthy and plays that way all year. Um, yeah, he could actually do that. I I thought your prediction was kind of nuts, but, um, so too far off, I guess. I, yeah, 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 I don't necessarily disagree with that. Yeah. Um, One thing that you mentioned tonight that I thought was kind of surprising, given the fact that you've seen the guy live, uh, you didn't realize, I guess, John Tavares was as good as uh, you thought. <laughs> yeah. Was that your I mean, Was that yeah. your wording? Um, it was more his skating. Okay. I've never like. I mean, you know, I watched Tavares a lot more. As an 18-year-old, as a 17-year-old, I went to the World Juniors when he played for Canada and they won gold. Um, I saw that whole tournament, and I saw a lot of his younger days. Um, I haven't, re- I never really realized how much of a better skater he's become until I really, yeah. really watched him for, you know, well, 60 minutes, but whatever he played tonight, 22 minutes or something. Um, yeah, he, he's he's come a long, long way. And yeah, I really understand. Um, or the money. I, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, like I, yeah. I've, I've always really liked John Tavares, and I thought it was a great signing. Um, I've never looked at him as a spectacular skater. No. Um, I always thought he was kind of average, but he he can move, man. Like yeah. he he actually is like an above average skater now. For for a guy that they thought was going to be like a heat leap type, and just kind of yeah. he need to stand there and score goals, which is not ideal on a centerman. Um, but for, yeah, he he has come a long way. For me, I, I notice a lot, like, um, you know, I, I've seen him, like, obviously the same as you, like, with the World Juniors and everything as a, as a young man, and then, uh, I've, you know, here and there with the Islanders, like, not too much. You yeah. Know, you see the highlights. I don't watch a lot of Islanders. Right. You see the highlights. You see I the games against. I probably watch less this year. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you see the highlights to the game against the Leafs, and, uh. For me, it, like what I saw tonight was just a smart hockey player. Like, I get it; he's been there long enough in the NHL where, like, he's a veteran to some degree. Like, this is his first big contract; he's in his prime still. But 
He yeah. looked like he knew what he was doing out there. Like he made a lot of smart decisions with the puck. Not a lot of plays where it it resulted much, but he had a goal. You know, like he was driving that hard. He, he made some deflections. Looked, I mean, the Leafs' two best players were the two most dangerous players out there. Yeah, you know what I mean. Honestly, the third player that I thought. Like I noticed the most out there, and maybe it's because I'm a, I have been a massive um, part of the contingent of the internet that believes this guy should be playing a regular NHL job, and finally this year is going to get an opportunity to play in the NHL on a regular basis. I thought Josh Lebo looked fantastic to me. He looked good. He yeah. was everywhere. He, he, did. he worked for every single inch. Um, he let a shot go in the first period. Where you and I were both like, holy Christ, can he ever rifle the puck? Like, he has a cannon when he lets it go. Um, I don't know. I I, I, I think he is going to be um, an X factor of sorts in the Leafs lineup this year. If he can stay and play his game and, uh, and get some shots off, like, that guy can score a lot of goals, I think. Not, you know, we're not talking 50, but, like, you know, Josh Lebo could probably score 20 goals this year. Right. And I think that's a huge difference maker for them because although they gain Tavares, they lose JVR. So they kind of cancel each other out in terms of goal production if you look at what they did last mm-hmm, year. Mm-hmm. So to have a guy deeper in your lineup on a cadre line, on the third line, where JVR for some fucking reason actually played last year, um, I don't know. I think Josh Lebo's a, a good fit there. He looked good tonight. Enough about the Leafs, I guess. Two more games tonight. Um... Yeah, yeah, they're both they're both this. still going. going right uh, the the Ducks thing. and Sharks are tied at one. However, uh, the Sharks are out shooting the Ducks twenty two to seven. Uh, five minutes left in the second. <laughs> Remember when I said the Ducks are going to win that division? Yeah, that, that I have like I've never seen a prediction fucking die so quickly. I still think they're going to be fine this year. They are so riddled with injuries, and this yeah. night one like. Corey Perry's out for possibly the season. Right. Ryan Kessler, they have no idea what's going to happen there, um, like when he's going to be fully Ryan Kessler again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Perry's replacement is Andre Kasha, who's now out indefinitely with a concussion. I know that because I picked him up in fantasy hockey oh boy. the day the Perry injury came out, and now I had to drop Andre Kasha. I have Troy Terry now. Just kind of a bold choice, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, I guess the good news is that uh, John Gibson's holding his own in net right now, twenty-two saves. Uh, I also have John Gibson. Yeah, so that is good news for me. But John yeah. Gibson's going to win me save percentage every week. I know That's that fair. for sure. They're, I mean, like the Randy Carlisle Ducks are going to give up about forty-nine million fucking shots a night, but six saves through oh, uh, thirty-five minutes of hockey doesn't uh, necessarily mean Martin Jones is going to win the Vesna. But yeah, your Vesna uh, prediction's off to a tough start. But yeah, it's two periods into yeah. eighty-two games. Right. Uh, and then Vancouver is beating Calgary one to nothing. Right. Elias Pettersson. Oh boy, that was a shot. He's okay. That was a He's shot. Okay. Uh, yeah. Big fan. I I wanted to get him in fantasy this year, and I I kind of dropped the ball on that one. But, yeah, I feel uh, like we should mention that we have uh, in the background, not not necessarily in in the podcast, but we have a Flames fan, Mike Warren, watching the game from afar. Buddy Mike Warren's here. Too. Uh, buddy, buddy Mika Kiprasov jersey for sure, looking good, looking exactly. good back there. Fuck the Canucks, let's go. <laughs> All right. Fuck the Canucks. Fuck the Canucks. Um, okay. 
Well, maybe we'll move on from tonight's games, and obviously if something happens while we're Yeah, watching. yeah. I guess the only other note that we might have left out, I don't know if we sh- should talk about it, but, like, I guess for future reference is that uh, there is a possibility, in my opinion, not necessarily in James's, um, that Brad Marchand may get some sort of supplementary discipline for having a fight tonight with Lars Eller. Right. Um, to me, it looked like, while Eller was going down, uh, Marshawn drove his elbow into Eller's head, which was about to collide with the ice, and drove his head into the ice. James did not necessarily see that. He saw a missed punch and kind of fell. I guess what you're thinking, like, kind of tried to break his fall, and it just happened to be yeah, on his face. Like... I kind of guess. I kind of get it, but, like, my thought was that he was swinging at a time where the fight had been well over now granted it all happened like we're watching it in slow motion when we saw it it did happen in the final second i guess of the fight Mm -hmm. so i'll give you a little bit of credit where i guess like maybe the reaction time is a little bit less there because it happened so quickly right yeah like i don't i don't like brad marchand the the problem is is that it is brad marchand right and he is the type of like He's the type of guy that is going to keep swinging until that guy's fucking passed out on the ice as well. Yeah. And that's how I saw that right. moment, is I saw him just being incredibly aggressive in a fight. That, like, the entire gif I saw of it, the fight was over before Eller was even halfway on the ice. Like, Eller looked completely out of that fight and just, like, yeah. Not unconscious, but he just he looked like he had been fucking beat. Yeah. And he's kind of falling. He threw about two or three punches as Eller kind of started to fall. Was what yeah. I'm getting at. That's what I saw. So for for me, like I don't I don't like seeing the Max Domi type plays where you just punch a guy in the face who's not ready for it. But if you're gonna get your mittens off and you're gonna go in a fight, mittens. fight. And if that means that. You know, you're 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 going down. You've lost the fight, and this guy's gonna continue the fight. I don't want to see you get concussed. I don't want anybody's head to hit the no, ice. Of course not. I don't want any injuries like that. But you've you've engaged, okay? You have decided. You've made the decision. I'm gonna fight Brad Marchand. Live with the consequences. Well, I don't totally disagree with you there either. But I mean, like, because we had we had a conversation tonight, like. Uh, uh, you might have gone to the washroom or whatever when we were watching the game and I was talking to your girlfriend. And she asked me, because uh, she saw the Tom Wilson hit the first time. We're about to get to Tom Wilson as well. Uh, the Oscar Sunquist hit. And she sort of asked me, like, what is the consequence of concussions uh, long-term, like in the NHL? Like, like, what's the most amount of time people have missed? And I'm like, well, people never play again. So she kind of asked me, like, can... Sunfist essentially sue Wilson for the after effects of that. And, you know, I explained to her, like, as an NHL player, you sign up for that kind of stuff to an extent, right? So that is why, like, when Wilson gets suspended, he gets suspended for 20 games and doesn't get, like, a lifetime ban, essentially. Because, like, something like, you know what I mean? Like, when you try to injure someone like that, and it's the same thing for the Marshawn hit is what I'm getting at. Is if you drive a guy's head into the ice, if if you drive a guy's head into the ice, you should get kicked out of the league. But you sign up to fight Marshawn. You sign up for 
occupational hazards. And as much as we don't want that kind of stuff in the game, sometimes they will just naturally occur. You know what I mean? So, like, that's where I get where you're at with the maybe it was an accident. Yeah. It's up to NHL player safety to determine if it was an accident or that was intentional. But even if it was intentional, you know what I mean? You can only argue that to an extent. And, and basically what I'm saying is you can only... I, I, I think at most he gets a game. Yeah. Uh, like, at most he gets a fine. I, I don't think it was that bad. But I only watched it a handful of times, too. So it, it's hard to say. It's tough. Because like, if you wire a slap the game shot... Too. The game actually... Because that was the one game we watched we nothing didn't. up to. Yeah. Um, that could have been a really heated game for all I know. I don't know. Yeah. Like, so, like, if you wire a slap shot at somebody and they get hurt... Definitely. Like, that's that's an injury that should not have occurred. The NHL has some grounds there for suspension. If you wire a slap shot at a guy, like the Daniel Char did last year in the playoffs against the Leafs, and Morgan yeah, Riley takes a face, uh, you know, a puck in the face, that's part of the job. Like, you have no grounds. So, you're going to engage in a fight with Brad Marchand. Well, and the problem is, too, is it's harder to argue if a guy takes, like, an intentional shot at you like that, too, right? Cause, like, yeah, definitely. Like, you it's, know what I mean? It's like, so tough. Remember when mm, Alfredson took it at Niedermeyer? Did yeah. Did Niedermeyer take it at No, it, it was... Alfredson at Niedermeyer, right? Yeah. In the Stanley Cup Finals in 2007, I guess? Mm-hmm. And uh, nothing happened there. Like, everyone thought it was funny. Yeah. Well, what if he hit him, like, six inches further up on the body where he actually right. hit him? And he hit him in the fucking neck? And cut off, like, you know what I mean? His, I was going to say breathing tube. <laughs> We've been drinking, folks, again. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm just saying it's harder to prove something like that. This Canucks-Flames game is getting kind of wild really quick in the third period. Lock. Two goals in, like, Two goals eight seconds. And that's like Mike Wern is freaking so out back there, bud. Wern's fucking pissed and needs a beer. All right, all right. Um, yeah. Hey, Okay, I'm good for now. Well, I, I think I think we're done on this, but um, your thought is that it it didn't look intentional enough that you think he doesn't get suspended. I I think Brad Marchand was throwing a punch. The guy was falling. They're both off balance. And you think he it missed his punch and his like elbow slash forearm kind of as he's falling okay. drove into him. I I'm not saying like that should happen. I'm just saying. I don't think it was intentional. Well, no, but I still do understand your argument. Like, like when you're falling, it's natural human reaction to try to to protect yourself. I get sure. that. My thought on that was he took about at least one, maybe two. I'd have to watch it again. Punches where the guy was clearly fucking falling ahead of time. So my thought is I don't think he was breaking his fall because I think that was I think he was trying to punch him again. And, and then ended up driving his head into the fucking ice. Mm. I think that's what happened. Yeah. Um, but again, it was kind of a tricky play, I think, anyway, in our opinion. I think <laughs> um, I think he gets a game and maybe a s- small, small fine. I'd, I'd be surprised, but yeah, I would. I, 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 I can so. see it. Like, because it's Brad Marchand, think... we're having the conversation. Well, I think if it's anybody yeah, else, that, we're not. That, but that's another thing. Sure. Right? I, I get sure. that, too. But you have to at some point. Yeah. I, I get it. it I get it. Like if it's Tom, if it's Tom Wilson, we're talking about the, five games. The NHL just made an example out of a guy that right. is a clear but, defender. But like, acknowledge me here. Like that's if, if it's Tom Wilson in that situation, we're talking five, not one. If it's like Nikita Zaitsev, we're talking nothing at all. I don't know if we're talking five. If it's Tom Wilson, well, I, I think we're more talking than one. More, more than yeah, one. I, I get it. 
So Wilson's more at the point than Marshawn is, though. This is the problem with the NHL Marchand, player of safety. Marshawn, okay, first off, Marshawn, like, we're giving guys credit here. This is fucked. Marshawn spreads his suspensions out more so, so they don't actually look as bad. But also, Marshawns are kind of of a different variety. Wilson continues right. just to target a guy's fucking head with his shoulder nonstop. A hit that they've clearly been trying to eliminate from the game for years. Yeah. All right. We did not want to spend that much no. time on Brad Marshawn no. because, again, I don't think this was a major issue. But, um, but for the fourth time, I guess, on our podcast in its very short lifetime, we are going to make a major story, our actual first story that we're talking about this week. Is Tom Wilson got 20 games from the NHL. About time! We, we predicted on the Cody Fraser podcast that 10 would be sound, and I thought 10 was sound. Um, for the first time since Shanahan retired from that Department of Player Safety, I will give the NHL a lot of credit here. Fantastic decision. Yeah. I, I'm very happy that they went that way because, honestly, he is, he's been suspended four times in the last 105 games that he's played. Yeah. that That's fucking insane. How does that happen? The NHL... Like, like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they finally are just like, okay, we're done giving you a break. We, were, we suspended you three games in the playoffs, which I guess they agreed with us. They heard the podcast <laughs> and said that that is the equivalent of 10 nice. And they fucking doubled it. And here's where he's at, man. He's at that point. He's finally there. He's Rafi Rafi Torres territory. Next suspension, even if it's worse, I think he might get a fucking 41-game suspension. Like, he's there. Yeah. I think he's finally in that category. And honestly, full credit to the NHL for doing it. Um, I've heard Tom Wilson in interviews, and I like he actually seems like like a kind of decent dude. He just happens to play a certain way. And honestly, he looks like someone, like, did you ever get this impression watching him hit? It looks like he was never taught how to fucking hit. Maybe. It honestly looks like he's bad at hitting, which is insane to say about a guy who throws like 200 hits a year. Yeah. I mean, like... He looks like he's bad I, at hitting. I watch a guy like... And and he's not there anymore, but like when the Flames had that playoff run a few years ago where they had Michael Furlan on the team. I love Michael Furlan. Yeah. And that's the kind of guy that I wish Tom Wilson was more... Right. Structured like because right. Michael Furlan has never been suspended. No, um, it's going to take and a bit for him to get suspended. Yeah, he, but he plays. Really that he plays time. on that edge, you know, like he's maybe, throwing maybe, eight or nine hits a game. Be, you know what I mean? And Tom Wilson for my, for my, everything. Sorry, sorry to cut you. Yeah. yeah. Can you confirm he's never been suspended? Do you know? I don't know for sure, but I don't know for. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't I think, think, you're, I think you're right, though. but I don't know why Fox! I feel like he got a game. Uh, that was the sound of the Vancouver Canucks scoring. Uh, I'm just for the fourth time against the Calgary Flames tonight. Sorry, Mike. Actually, not only Fuck. not only has uh, Furlan never been suspended, he was on the receiving. Uh, he got hit one time, and a hit there was a uh, resulted in a suspension. But he has never been suspended. Yeah, Michael Furlan. So yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, and uh, like, Tom Wilson is a better hockey player than Michael Furlan. Like, he's got more skill. Is he? He is. He's Are got sure? more. Yes. I don't agree with that. Man. Okay. I'm telling you right now. I don't. Tom Wilson has more hockey skill than Michael Furlan. Michael Furlan can hit better, maybe. Michael Furlan can stir shit up better. Can I better. make a point on that? Maybe. Not that I want to debate this, like, super heavy, but, like... Sure. 
Michael Furlan got 21 goals last year. Fucking Tom Wilson played with Kuznetsov and Ovechkin, and he got 35. Okay. I think Furlan played with worse players and had better points. Can I debate your point? Sure. Tom Wilson's got a cup ring. Well, yeah, he's on a better team. Furlan was on the fucking Calgary Flames. Shut up. They (laughs) suck. Wait, what? (laughs) They suck. I don't know. Michael Furlan was... I think Furlan helps the Capitals more than Tom Wilson. Michael Furlan was on the top line of the Calgary Flames to some degree last year, where Tom Wilson was not, and he still was productive. What he, he, he was a very productive playoff performer in a playoffs where he got suspended and still put up you know admirable numbers for the Caps last, last season. All right. I don't well, know. regardless... Um, I'm happy the NHL threw the book. Oh, same. And same. It's, uh, uh, I mean, it, uh, it's about time, but I kind of get where the NHL's at. Like, you know, you got a lot of lawyers, you got a lot of legal thinking there. And, um, you know, precedent is a big part of that. And you have to be careful how you set these precedents mm-hmm. because eventually you're going to have to suspend guys for half a season for yeah. throwing one yeah. single body check. Um, you know, it gets into a philosophical debate, like when you go back to what Cody said last week and like, you know, I'm not completely against what his opinion is and that, you know, they should eliminate body checking entirely from hockey. Like I understand the argument because it's insane that we have guys getting these concussions and getting these massive injuries, but, um, you have to be careful how you deal with these suspensions and things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So I understand that. Um, but I think this was a situation where it was 100% warranted. Yeah, I'm I'm, 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 I'm really happy to see them it, take it, it's, it's take that stance. See, yeah, it is because we haven't seen a suspension that big since the Rafi Torres uh, hit in the playoffs a few years ago, uh, that uh, resulted in half the season being lost. And um, yeah, I, I think Tom Wilson four suspensions in 100 games that's ridiculous. I like I like what he brings from a hockey side of. Don't get of me it. wrong, I like the type of player too. I, I just I don't like the guy. I like the guys that toe the line, don't go over the line. And maybe this is where I'm sort of biased, and you and I like don't see eye to eye too necessarily. That's how I see Michael Furlan. I see Michael Furlan as a guy that is constantly towing the line, but never actually crosses it, and that's what I completely respect about Michael Furlan. Um, so yeah, I, I I get it, and I think it's good that they did it. Um, but yeah, we got, we have a, we have a fucking lot to talk about here. So, all right, let's uh, talk about that son of a bitch, Joe Thornton shaving his beard. Okay. That son of a bitch, Joe Thornton. Okay. So am I the only guy? Um, Okay. So, uh, (laughs) am I the only one here that thought that, uh, this might have had something to do with Eric Carlson coming in and changing the, uh, culture of the dressing room? No beards, boys. Yeah, you're the only one. I'm the only one. That's right. What? Actually, I I made a... There's a much more logical explanation, like, in the fact that he's transferred, as you said, his beard energy over to Nazem Kadri. Yeah. What's going to happen is Kadri shaved today as well, and now Kadri is going to eventually grow out his beard, and when they play probably in March, I'm hoping for the sake of this because I didn't look it up, uh, that Kadri gets part of his beard ripped out by Joe Thornton, and they kind of complete the cycle, 
And it's sort of a, you know what I mean, uh, the changing of the guards of the massive yeah. beards in the NHL. I, I will remember you. Um, the, the Flames have just scored for what it's worth. Uh, Sean Monaghan. That's great. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I'm glad you picked up on my uh, idea about uh, Kajit ripping Thornton's beard out and then you know, having the power of the beard. I and, love it. I'm into it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's uh, let's have some fun with that let's for go. sure all all year. It's nice to see the Leafs with beards. Oh and yeah, even like you know what I mean. Like, fuck. All right, let's not talk about the Leafs the entire podcast. But um, what did you think? Like, why? Like, what? What? That's your. Is that actually your thought? You thought maybe it was just like a let's not have beards sort of thing. The Sharks. Yeah, that's not what happened. No, because Burns yeah. still has his. I was gonna say like yeah. Carlson also has facial hair. It's not like oh yeah. Like, oh, okay. No. All right. I was just making sure. Um. Why did he say why he did it? Like, why I does he not. Do that? I didn't hear anything about it. Just time for a change, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like maybe, maybe it was sort of like a a symbol of that he's going to re- revitalize his game this year, and so forth. He wants to look like he's twenty eight years old again. Okay. The only thing I can think of is that a, a few years back he made a promise that if anybody scored. Like that if, that Shout if, out to Cody Fraser. Then. That, that if he scored four goals in a game, he'd have his dick out in a game. And now that Eric Carlson's on the team, maybe he thinks that there's a chance that he'll get four passes from Eric Carlson so in a game. Gotta, he's got to clean He's got to look good. You, you got to look good. He's got the sweater going on. You, yeah. The sweat, oh, like yeah. The, he's shaving the chest. He's getting rid of the sweater. If you're getting the dick out, on. you got to have he's yourself looking the, presentable. The pubes a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a full. You, so you think it was a full a, package. Full body yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. Maybe. I think that's possible. Probably not. I think. I think it's more the cadre thing. Okay. I think it's maybe the that he's got to look uh, nice and clean now. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, regardless, it's it is it's insane how disappointed I was to see a guy shave his beard. Um, I love bearded athletes. I mean. I yeah, love it. I mean, like I, I like One the personality. One of my favorite baseball pitchers ever is Brian Wilson. The right, fear the beard, man. That guy was the best. James Harden in the NBA as well. Again, like, same kind of might yeah. be one of my favorite but, basketball players. But I, I, for me, I felt like the the Thornton Burns thing was just kind of almost getting out of hand to a degree. It was. You like, don't think so? I, th- I think that was part. Uh, of okay, This is gonna. I don't know. We've been drinking, so like maybe I'm wrong about this, but like I feel like that was kind of part of the. Shark's identity, man, was just these two bearded guys that are actually kind of the face of the team. Like, they are, regardless. They are the two faces of the team. Now you have Eric Carlson. But even if Thornton's your second-line center, Logan Couture is not the face of that fucking team, and rightfully so, he shouldn't be. You don't want the pressure being on that guy because he's not good enough to have the pressure on him. Uh Joe Pavelski, I guess, is also the face of the team. Martin Jones, in a sense, but, like, I gotta tell you, man. If I googled Martin Jones, if you googled San Jose Sharks players right now, and you gave me a selection of like five guys, I don't think I could pick maybe, Martin Jones up from the fucking list. Maybe it's gritty. Like maybe this is all got to do with gritty. Gritty came out and scared Thornton. Like I can't compete with that beard game. That's true. And, you, know. you know what? Maybe what it was is he didn't want the memes on the internet. Mm. Like, you know what? Gritty's actually Joe fucking Thornton, and like you know what I mean? Like he's just like getting ahead of the game. That's fair. I don't know. I hate it. It sucks. Uh, it's sad to see. Um, Jack Eichel was named captain of the Buffalo Sabres today. Now, sure. Um, 
We debated this a few weeks ago. What do you think about it? Because I have to look it up for a second here because I have a point I want to make, but I want to make sure that it it happened how I thought it happened. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's fine. Um, The Sabres, they're a team where I felt like they didn't necessarily need to name a captain right away. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a rush. I don't realistically see them being a playoff team this year. They they could squeeze in with a wild card spot, you know, if Florida has a bad a bad season and, you know, the Metro doesn't show up. But realistically, they I don't know. They they weren't there yet. I think Eichel is the right guy for the position. Um but I don't know, you can make the argument that Jeff Skinner is ready to be a captain in NHL. You can make the argument that, you know, you're going to wait on Rasmus Dahlin a few years, and, and we'd understand. But I, I, I don't really – I like it. It's so, just – it's weird timing. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. What I agree with and what I actually like about it, and maybe this will give you context, and you and I were talking about this early to, earlier today, um, but we had a really busy day um, just with some personal commitments. So – uh, I, I don't know if you actually know this yet, but how the Sabres announced him captain was they had this stretch at the end of practice. They had the end of the uh, practice huddle, and uh, they did their kind of routine. And at the very end of it, they break apart, and Phil Housley kind of said, you know, the guy in the middle is your captain now. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm i the captain now. Look at me. Ah, but it yes. was kind of not that way because Phil Housley named him captain. But, um, so, yeah, like at the end of the practice huddle, he was just kind of like, boys, by the way, Jackson, your captain of the team. I think the morning of the season starting, I think that's a pretty cool way to send a message to your team and send a, a message to your new captain. Um, I really like the way they did that, to be honest with you. I think that's actually really cool. Because I hate how obsessed um, teams seem to be with the front office kind of deciding and things like that. It it seems to be this big spectacle. That wasn't. That was an intimate moment within the team where it's like, it felt like Phil Housley's just kind of saying, like, I personally think this is our captain. Now he's going to be the fucking captain. It felt a lot more intimate than how a lot of the captain announcements I've seen in the past. Now, who's to say that that kind of stuff hasn't happened before yeah and that one just happened to be videotaped right um is it intimate or was it just circumstance that like you know we know there's people watching but regardless I, I thought that was a really cool name to or way to do it because at no point did the actual buffalo sabers pr or anything come out about it, it this they kind oh, of okay. just tweeted out okay. the video yeah. uh after the fact um regardless I guess this is the right choice. Like, I I get it. He is the face of the team. He has been for a few years. He more than likely will continue to be the face of the team. Um, It's probably the right guy, but I have some wonders about Jack Eichel as a person. I've never really been totally sold on his personality. Maybe that is a good thing. Like, maybe Mm. that's how you kind of want to build your team. Like, I get that this is the worst fucking team to possibly compare them to, but I guess this is kind of how, like, the Cleveland Browns are kind of building their team. Stop, Browns! <laughs> yeah, the old Saturday Night Live skit, eh? We're sitting around in Cleveland. Stop, and, uh, Browns! Stop, Browns! 
I'm not a football guy, so it's tell me if I'm wrong. Well, the skit is the Bears. It's the Browns, yeah. right? No, it's the it. I, you don't know? It is the Bears. No, it's the Browns. Sure, man. <laughs> the Browns. Um, yeah, I don't know. Good for the Browns. But they're kind of building their team around Baker Mayfield, who actually Jack Eichel and Baker Mayfield remind me of each other. Sure. They really, really love what they can personally do. They both want to win, but they kind of voice it in an interesting way. Not like to a super, super self-obsessed sort of point of view. Yeah. But it's sort of, oh, hi. It's sort of, um, I don't know. It's just the way they kind of do it. It's it's interesting. I don't know. I like the move. I'll I, say this I much: like I am a fan of how um, Jack Eichel is the second youngest captain in the NHL right now, behind Connor McDavid, because Jack <laughs> Eichel is always behind Connor McDavid. So I'll wrap that up there. But um, um, okay. Uh, we're going to, oh fuck, we're going to, we're actually going to talk briefly again about the Leafs. Okay. So I wanted to talk briefly about something that I, I think's sort of insane. Um, the Leafs had to make some roster moves this week. It's been inevitable for a amount of time that, um, they have four NHL caliber goaltenders on their roster and they can only pick two. Uh, it, it's just going to have to happen. Unless you don't invite one of your NHL guys to camp. But that's incredibly yeah. insulting. And then you're going to lose him anyway because he's not going to go straight to the AHL or he's going to ask for a trade or whatever. Um, so for those of you who don't know, uh, the Leafs goaltender for the past one and a half seasons. Backup. Um, backup. Yeah, sorry. Uh, is that what it is? What you said it? goaltender. Yeah, Leafs backup goaltender for the last one and a half seasons, uh, Curtis McElhinney. Uh, was placed on waivers. He was claimed by the Carolina Hurricanes, who are currently uh, in need of a goaltender right now. Uh, and then the Philadelphia Flyers also claimed Calvin Pickard, um, who was basically an American Hockey League goaltender for them last year. He played one game in the league uniform. Um, he goes to Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, so the Leafs, who had you know a lot of goaltending depth, it thins out. But... Their third goaltender, uh, Kazmir Kaskisuo, mm-hmm. is a guy they signed out of uh, out of Europe a few years ago that they have a decent amount of faith in. He played for UMD. Um, you know, like, again, they think they signed him for a reason. So he becomes a Marley's goaltender this year. What I think is hilarious, and again, like I'm a Leafs fan, and I should be used to this kind of stuff by now, is how... Just fucking torched Kyle Dubas was getting on Twitter about letting these guys go. That if you would have sent McElhinney down earlier, that he might have slipped through waivers, or that Pickard would have maybe slipped through waivers. It's insulting to them to send them down on September 24th. But it's also possible that, hey, you know, fucking think about it. Maybe he actually had no idea who the backup goaltender was going to be. And maybe Mike Babcock had no idea which of the four or which of the three he was going to pick. No. Like, you ever think about that? I, I, I disagree. Okay. I think Mike Babcock wanted Frederick Anderson, number one, Curtis McLean, number two, without a doubt. I think that's what Mike Babcock wanted. I think Kyle Dubas 
wanted Garrett Sparks, number two. I think there was some disagreement there. And some concessions were made to, you know, say to Mike, like, look, we're debating what our backup goaltender position, a guy that's not going to play more than 20 to 25 games, you know, assuming yeah, okay. Freddie's, so, you know, healthy. So I get your argument, but okay, but then why not send Calvin Pickard down? They did. No, but why not do it September 20th? Because he's still battling for the job. Because he's still I, playing I guess in the so. preseason. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm saying, like, if there weren't a battle there or, like, you know what I mean, if he thought he could have sent them down earlier, he would have done it. Like, he's not fucking stupid. You know what I mean? Like, he, he's not an idiot. Yeah, of course, maybe they slip through waivers a little easier two weeks earlier. Maybe they don't. Maybe there are teams who are desperate for a goaltender two weeks ago that aren't now. Like, I don't know, was Morazic or Darling hurt two weeks ago? I don't remember. Uh, Darling is hurt. Um, was he hurt two weeks ago? No. Okay, so, I, I, yeah. I, I, mean, I don't know when the hurt the, the injury happened. Maybe he doesn't claim him, but, like, maybe there were goalies that were hurt two weeks ago or that, that sucked yeah. two weeks ago Yeah. that they, that organizations now believe in. I'm just saying, like, it is absolutely insane to fucking rip a general manager who's been around for four months on Twitter for letting fucking American Hockey League goaltenders go. Who cares? Yeah. Who gives a shit? Yeah. It doesn't matter. They have Garrett Sparks. They've liked Sparks since before they got Pickard or McElhinney. He was there before either of the other two. Yeah. He's been there for fucking years. I, either way you slice this, it's it's ridiculous because Frederick Anderson is the guy that's playing 65 games this right. year. It so matter. it doesn't matter. Either one of Whoever those three like guys more. is fine. And, uh, yeah, I agree. Like, I, I like McElhinney and Sparks more than Pickard. Right. I think both of them are better than the other, than Pickard. Yeah. Um, You can't go wrong. Right. Because McElhinney scared the hell out of me. And then last year, he was unbelievable. Even the year before that. He, he, he's the reason yeah, we made the playoffs even, against he Washington. Good, he a good leaf. And I'm sad to see him go, but at the end of the day, if that's who they want to go, what you, the hell? It's 17 games a year. Yeah, you you can't you give up the 35 year old, or sorry, you can't give up the 25 year old because you're scared to let the 35 year old go. Yeah. Garrett Sparks was going to need waivers. Yeah. He was the AHL goalie of the year last year. Yeah, he set records. Won a Calder Cup. He set records. Right. Someone's going to claim him. Someone might not oh, claim he's, he's Curtis. He's gone, 100%. Someone did. Not only is Sparks but, gone, he might be starting somewhere else. Exactly. There are teams exactly. that, like, again, I give Philly some credit for taking a chance on Pickard because part of me kind of wonders if Pickard doesn't end up being Philadelphia's goaltender by the end of the year. Pickard's a tough one. I, like, I, I'm not a huge fan of Pickard, as I just said, but, like, I can't stand Philadelphia's goaltending. Like I like Elliott, I like Neuwirth. I want them to do well, but they've had a lot of opportunity to do well. Elliott's done it, but he's getting older. Mm-hmm. Neuwirth's had a lot of chances, and he's never really showed up. No. So. Yeah, I, I mean, for like with the Flyers, Pickard makes a lot of sense. He's young enough. They may have taken a, a real good piece away from the Leafs, but McElhinney, hear me out here. He's coming in to Carolina because Scott Darling is hurt. We don't know how long Darling's out for. They're going to ride Morazic. McElhinney might get a couple games. When Darling comes back, do you honestly believe the Hurricanes are going to keep three goalies on their roster? Because I don't. They will attempt to send him down. He will have to pass their waivers. 
there is only one team in the league that can claim him and send him directly down to the AHL, and that is the Leafs. There is a realistic possibility that within a month, the Leafs will have McElhinney back. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess there's a possibility that they're like you never know what happens too. There might be a team that actually needs Curtis McElhinney by that point. It's impossible to predict. Um, yeah, you never know. He might just be back in Toronto. I, I just, I, I think it is ridiculous that Kyle Dubas is getting like ripped over Twitter about that. Oh, so he do should I. be getting ripped over Twitter harder about the Nealander situation. But I don't necessarily, like, he hasn't done fucking anything wrong there either. You know what I mean? Like, no. I, I just, if you're going to rip him about something, maybe rip him about something of consequence. Then goaltending situation is not of consequence. Sparks gets hurt, or Anderson gets hurt. Yeah, it's not ideal having Sparks and uh, Kaskisuo as your two goaltenders. But, like, yeah. is Pickard and Sparks the fucking dream team Backup? Like, no, it's not necessarily. Look what fucking Vegas did last year. They pulled guys out of their ass. Well, it just happened. Play well in yeah. front of your goaltender. You don't have to fucking worry about it. That's it. Vegas treated away Pickard. Yeah. So. Yeah, they could have had Pickard yeah. too. They could have had Pickard all they wanted. They didn't. They I, traded I, him as well. I I didn't want to see McLeany go. I'm no, fine with I, it. I, I like, I'm I like fine Mac. with it. I love Mac. Yeah. It is what it is. It's fine. He's I'm not fine. a difference maker. It's not like it's, it's okay. Fucking, it's Everyone like on Twitter, calm the fuck down. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Yeah, it's yeah. Um. And then I guess one more thing about that was there was a lot of comments about how uh, they trade Connor Carrick only for uh, Lilligren to get sent back down. So they are where they are. Um. Excuse me. They have Marinchin, Hall, and Ojeganov. I guess they're going to alternate out of the sixth defense spot. Yeah, it's tough. They've, they've got eight defensemen now. Um, obviously, there's the Willie situation they have to figure out, and then someone will get sent down. Yeah. Is it is it one of those eight defensemen, or is it Gauthier? I I, I don't think Marincin finishes the year with the Leafs. Sure. I think he goes somewhere else. I think he gets put on waivers at some point. Uh, he's going to get claimed because I think he's definitely good enough to get claimed. I think. Sure. I do think Marincin deserves an opportunity, but. Um, now, hear me out here because there's been some discussion in the Twitter sphere. Ugh. Fucking Twitter sucks. You bring back Willie. Fucking hate Twitter. You send down Freddie. You dress seven. Goche. Th- you, you send. Yeah. <laughs> Freddie Goche. Sorry, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Freddie Goche. I thought you meant Freddie Anderson. I'm like, this is the worst theory I've ever yeah. heard. You dress seven defensemen. Because yeah. Justin Hull was a forward team, yeah. until he was 20 years old, and I'm not a huge fan of 11 and seven. Uh, and you want to use Justin Hall at the de- at the defenseman you or as, at the defenseman at the position that you'd like him better at. The Leafs clearly like him better at defense. Otherwise, they would have tried him at forward. Is my thought. Right. Um. I I I don't know. I I think Hall sticks around on the roster longer than Marincin. I think like i am not sold on the idea that uh that timothy lilligren doesn't see a regular roster spot by the end of the year it's so. tough like i i think if there's an injury he gets called up but you've already got eight defensemen on your on your roster the, as the, it thing, stands, the thing is so. you have ojaganov and you have hall and if you don't end up liking one of them by the end of the year at least one of them um like let's say zaitsev gets hurt sure you need a right-handed shot to fill that spot because you already have two left-handed, uh, sorry, four left-handed D and two right-handed shots. Zaitsev comes out, 
You're not putting Marincin in that spot no. because now you only have one right-handed defenseman. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah. I'm, we know how my bad cock works. But I'm a kind of a. I used to not really think that way, but the more times gone on, I kind of like the idea. Yeah. Of a left shot, a right shot, a left shot, a right shot, a left shot, a right shot. Um, but my thought is that if Lilligren goes down to the American Hockey League, builds on what he already did, which is he's the highest producing defenseman in the history of the NA, or of the AHL. At 18, uh, yeah. So who's to say that if Zaitsev gets hurt or who's their other right shot, I guess, Ojeganov or Hall, yeah. if one of them gets hurt, they don't call up Timothy Lilligren. And my thought is that I understand they sent him down for a reason, I just I'm not completely sold that they don't call him back up and he just sticks and that's it. Like like yeah. I I'm not completely sold that he, doesn't happen. I I understand like I trust that organization way more than I have ever trusted maybe an organization that I of any sports team I like other than the Patriots because that's just that's a that's otherworldly. Lilgren could be the Dermot of the season. That's what I'm getting. Where at. he comes up yeah. in January, February, and just sticks. My right? my my thought, James, is that if you need a right shot defenseman, who are you gonna call? Ghostbuster. Mm. Yes. Timothy Lilligren. Ah. Ghostbuster. Ah. His nickname, Timothy Lilligren. I hope Ghostbuster. He, I hope he crushes Shane Goss's bear this year. He's the Ghostbuster. Yeah. If he crushes Shane Goss's bear yeah. this year. Timothy Lilligren, the Ghostbuster. Timothy Lilligren. Go. Timothy Ghostbuster Lilligren. Now. There were two the guys ahead of him that got sent down in Borgman and Rosen. So he's got a he's got a list to climb, it, it, unfortunately. It's, it's kind of amazing that the Leafs have organizational depth at yeah. D, but they actually don't have a great D. No. Like they have a million and ten five and six defensemen. Exactly. But they don't and have they traded a one away one. to Dallas. Well, they have a number one, but they necessarily don't have a two or three. No. Like you have a one in rough. Riley. You have a, I guess, three in Gardner. Yeah. He's a good third defenseman. Yeah. You don't have a second defenseman. No. Because Zaitsev's a fourth. Hainsey is Logan at this will be. point of his at career. At some point, Logan will be, but it's not now. I honestly think Logan will be a, like, he'll be the right to Riley's left in a few years, he but not now. He could possibly be even better than that. It's, it's hard to Sure, say. sure. It's not now. This player comparable for years is Eric Carlson. Right. And if he didn't get mono and fuck off for a while you never know exactly all right well we're done for the current events anyway we got we got an activity we're gonna do i guess sure pack it up take a break we're gonna have a little activity here and then uh and then we'll have our top 10 we're gonna return to the top 10 this week um but um james wanted to talk about potential milestones that yes which i think is kind of cool so okay so Maybe how we should do this. I don't know if this actually works, and you know, you might have to cut this after. But should we do maybe like a over under? If you're to read me what the milestone is and what said player, what the number is, what they're at, like what they have to get this year, should I bet that they get it over or under? Like if they get over or under that number, I think it's easier if you just say like, yeah, they'll get there, or no, okay. they won't. I'm just gonna say over or under then. Sure, sure. Dog. Yeah. So if, if if you're ready, we're gonna go with some some major milestones here. Okay. We're, we're talking a thousand games played. Cool. So I'm gonna start you off real easy. Placanus. Thomas Placanus. 
needs two. Dog. Over. Duncan Keith needs five. Over. Ryan Suter needs nine. Over. Jason Spezza needs 11. Dog. Over. Ron Hainsey needs 13. Over. Brooks Orkpeck needs 18. Over. I'm going to spread it out a bit here. We got we got FNUF with 19. We got Daly at 29. We got Kunitz at 34. We got Vanek at 35. I think we can all assume they're going to play a full season. Or at least as many games, right? Yeah? Yeah? Dog. What team's Kunitz on? Chicago. Over. Does Patrice Bergeron play in 37 games this year to get to 1,000? Over. Brent, Brent Burns, 39 in San Jose. Over. Corey Perry needs 43 games this year. Does he play in 43 games? Brutes? Dog. Under. Oh! First under. 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 Ryan Kessler needs 59. Under. Miko Koivu, captain, Minnesota Wild, needs 75 games. <laughs> Under. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Anze Kopitar, captain of the Kings, needs 78. Over. Last one. Andrew Ladd needs Under. 80 games. <laughs> Under. <laughs> All right. Under, dog. That's, that's the game's played milestone. We're going we're gonna to move on to, to goals here. 400 goals, NHL career. Ready? Joe Thornton needs three. Over. Eric Stahl, T-Bay, shout out. Over. Yeah, okay. This is a this is a tough one. Evgeny Malkin needs 30. Over. Okay. Assists for 600 in their career. Patty Marlowe needs six. Over. All right, that's fair. That's probably right. Nicholas Backstrom needs 10. Over. Yeah. Now we get tricky. Jason Spezza needs 36. Under. Mmm. Evgeny Malkin needs 40. Dog. The Penguins. They got that horned fist. Yeah. They got that Latang. Oh, yeah. They got that. Stroke. She hit. She hit. hit. Shanahan. Not got, Shanahan. They got that Cosby. Yeah. Over. All right. Anze Kopitar needs 62 assists this season. Under. Good call. Good call. All right. For 1,000 points on the season, I will remove Henrik Zetterberg as this list was released before his retirement. Under. Evgeny Malkin needs 70 points this year for 1,000. Over. Okay. Eric Stahl needs 78 points this season. Under. Okay. That's both. John will not agree with you. Under. Shutouts for goaltenders. Over. 40 on the career. Brian Elliott. Flyers. Needs three. Under. Wow. <laughs> Under. Anti- Under. Anti Niemi. From. <laughs> Dog. <laughs> <laughs> what team is that guy? <laughs> Montreal. Les Habitants. Wit. <laughs> yeah. Probably under. Just say under. What's the number, dog? Four. <laughs> under. <laughs> under. All right, Mike Wern. Does Mike Smith get four shutouts this year to get to 40 on the career? Over. 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 Says Mike Wern. Uh, Braden Holpe needs eight 
Tough. He's got one tonight. Tough. He's got, okay, he's in seven. He's in seven. <laughs> Over. Over. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, this is the tough one. Devin Dubnik needs 11. Over. Oh. Dog. Dog. They got that Broden. They got... They got that coil. They got... They got that needed under. John Tavares needs 28 goals Over. this year to get to 300 on the Over. career. Over. All right. Over. We're not even going to talk about Over. it. Jason Palmanville needs 23 to get to 300. He's right there with Tavares. What do you think? Over. Okay. Nice. I'm, I'm down. James Neal. The real fucking deal. 37 to get to 300 this season. Assist, dog. Assist. Yeah. Uh, no, points. Oh. 37 points. Oh, dog. sorry. Goals. 37 goals. <laughs> and, uh... yeah. All right. For the last one. For the last one of the milestone breakdown here, I have the 1,200-point milestone on my list. I got three names. First, Patty Marlowe. Needs 71 to get to 1,200. Under. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. The next two names are going to be tough. And how I'm going to do this is I believe both these players, myself, are going to hit this milestone this season. I want you to answer me who hits it first. 1,200 points. Ovechkin needs 78. Crosby needs 84. Who hits it first? Dog. You got to thank those penguins, man. Crosby, over. All right, you heard it here first. Crosby's going to outscore Ovechkin by six more points at that rate to get to 1,200 first. I think they both do it this year. Do you do you agree, dog? Uh, I don't. I don't know if Ovechkin does it. Really? I don't know. 70, 78 points? I guess. I got. He's he, got. He this. put up like 68 a couple of years ago. It's hard to say. He had 54 goals last year. I want it to happen. Yeah. I think that'd be really cool if they did it. Yeah, fuck, if they did it the same night, that'd sure. be cool as shit. Did they play each other that night or what? <laughs> same division. Let's go. Giddy up. There's a really good chance that in March, yeah, the Penguins play the Capitals. Woo! Um, that's the milestone breakdown. You that's the milestone post. breakdown. That was pretty good. Yeah. Ooh. I had some others I could go through, but like uh, we were running along Smith enough. Smith Pelly called the Tom Wilson 20 ban uh, garbage. Yeah, Smith Pelly make the roster? I didn't, I didn't know that. I don't know. I don't think he played a preseason game. Fucking. Fuck uh, I like DSP, I'll be honest. But no, apparently, apparently he's not looking good these days. Um, okay, so I think Top we're, 10? Done, we're done for the regular podcast. Top 10. Top 10. Top 10. Top 10. Top 10. And, uh, um, all right, so this week, I don't know why we decided to do this. It's just... It was fun. It, it ended up being a lot more interesting than... Yeah. I thought it would be. We did the top ten undrafted players. Couple uh, X Flames out there, Mike Warren. Fuck yeah, there. Fuck yeah. Um, it, it was interesting because like if you look through the list of undrafted players, like I'm scrolling through it early on, and I'm kind of like, oh, like fucking Sean Avery might make this list, and then you like really start scrolling. No. There's a lot of really good undrafted players in the history of the NHL. Um, several Hall of Famers. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a really good list. Um, so, yeah, I guess um, I guess we'll start. Number 10 is um, Curtis Joseph. Cujo. Big fan. Cujo was undrafted. 
I, I feel like a lot of the guys on this list, other than maybe one, a lot of people listening are going to be actually like kind of unaware that they were undrafted. Is what like kind of yeah, makes that's uh, fair. That's fair. I, I like listen. I've been a big Cujo fan for a long time. I'm not sure that I was completely aware until like a few years ago that he was undrafted, and I actually forgot about him when we were doing this list. Um, Cujo played 943 games in the NHL, close to a thousand, which is absolutely incredible for a goaltender and he won 454 of them which is good for third fourth yeah third or fourth i'll look that up third or fourth on the list um listen like he was known at a time um when he was a goaltender for the leafs there was no one better in the playoffs and if you compare his numbers in the regular season to what he did in the playoffs every year he was outstanding in the playoffs every single season. He was that type of goalie that I would now equate to our modern-day Jonathan Quick in that when you needed a save from Cujo, you got it. Yeah. Um, obviously, what he did on the ice is it speaks for itself. You look at his career. Um, one, He was the first goaltender even, like, just because this is kind of neat, like the first goaltender to enter a game um fourth all time in wins by the way uh he was the first goaltender to enter a game after an overtime before a shootout come in and win the shootout in his last season with the leafs which was actually pretty cool um second stint there phenomenal person as well like just a a stand-up guy from everything i've ever heard about him he's an incredibly nice person uh incredibly good teammate and um you know, was one of the major reasons why I started watching the Leafs. Actually, yeah. he was the reason for me. Um, I I will admit this on uh, on the podcast. Um, I cried when yeah. he left for Detroit. I, I actually think I remember you crying. And I remember my mother saying to me, He'll come back. Maybe he'll be back. And at the time, <laughs> I was inconsolable. And I was like, there's no chance. That's not how the hockey works. And he, he ended up coming back. He but, came back, and it, was, it wasn't it was great, but he had his moments. Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, he is the only situation where I remember a guy coming back to a team to play in net. And uh, yeah. Jesus Christ, the yeah, Ducks seriously. beat the Sharks 5-2. Um, hey, Jones. <laughs> Johnny Gibson, buddy. And, um, anyway, so he's the only situation where I remember a goalie coming back to his team that he played for. Yeah. And he would lose a game, like, 6-2 and give up, like, six goals and we on like, fucking, like, 20 shots. Okay. And it's like, ah, who cares? Yeah. It's Curtis Joseph. Who gives a fuck, man? Here, this guy's a, the man. Here's a fun one for you. Played there for four years. He, he won 63 playoff games in his career. That is the most of any goalie that never won a Stanley Cup. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's pretty good. It's unreal. Anyway, Curtis Joseph, number 10, and obviously us being big Leaf fans, I'm a big fan. Now, although I am a massive Curtis Joseph fan, and I do prefer him over this next player, I have to admit that this next player was the superior player, even though I preferred Curtis Joseph in a Toronto Maple Leaf uniform because, like, I wasn't really a massive fan of this guy in a Leaf uniform. But phenomenal hockey player. Number nine is Ed Belfort. Ed Belfort. Eddie the Eagle. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love Ed Belfour's, um, personality. That's one way to say it. 
Uh, I feel like me and and the Eagle would be buddies. Eddie loves to have a beer and fucking hang out with some ladies yeah, at the bar. Yeah, and you know I what? Up, me, in, up until last April, love it. He had the record for most wins in a season in the history of the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is incredible. You're talking Johnny Bauer, you're talking Turk Broda, you're talking Felix Podvin. He had the record, albeit tied, uh, shared with Andrew Raycroft, and and thankfully. Frederick Anderson has put an end to the Andrew Raycroft uh, era of that record. Of that. But Ed Belfour, you know, did for a period of time have the record for most wins in the season by a Leaf goaltender. Um, Cup with the, the Stars 99. Uh, he had uh, a Vesna and a Calder in yeah. the same year with the Blackhawks back in 1991. Jo- Joseph never won a Vesna, right? No, I don't think He's so. Just making sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so, yeah. So, so Eddie won that. Yep. The difference is that, okay, so it's actually kind of a remarkable when you compare their numbers. Ed Belfour played 963 games, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. one less than Curtis Joseph, um, but won 484. So he won a bit more games. Uh, he's third all-time on the wins list. And he does have better overall numbers on the career. Um, kind of a, kind of amazing. Like He had a lot of good save percentages in there. Um yeah. In an era where it was tough to do. Hey, Belfour. Yeah. That's it, I guess. Yeah. Eddie the Eagle. I, I, I liked him. Eddie the Eagle. Yeah, yeah I, I liked him, but to a much lesser extent. I didn't love him in Toronto, but I liked him in Toronto. He was okay. He was okay. Uh, number eight? Number eight. Uh, James and I had a, a bit of a, a discussion about, but ultimately it deserves to be on the list. Steve Duchesne. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Duchesne, I would say... Me personally, I'm no hockey fucking scout, for sure. But um, he's a poor man's Ray Bork. Sure. In the sense that he, I mean, he put up numbers in an era where it was easier to put up numbers. Did it as a defenseman. Did it with, I don't even know how many, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different teams. Not easy. Um, Steve Duchesne never won a Stanley Cup until his last year in the league in, with the 0-2 Red Wings, the Hall of Fame team. Uh, Steve Duchesne was one of their defensemen that he played every game in the playoffs. Um, just a really good offensive defenseman. Mm-hmm. That uh, Steve Duchesne played 1,113 games in the league. He put up 752 points. Um, there were several years where he hovered around the point-per-game mark in the earlier stages of his career. Um he was a he was a simply put he was a very good defenseman and uh, it's kind of remarkable that he was undrafted. Uh, he broke in the league in 1986 with the Los Angeles Kings and finished in 02 with the Red Wings. Yeah, and what speaks to me too is is his playoff numbers. Um, yeah, seventy seven points in 121 games, but yeah, you have to consider that uh, the year he won the cup, they played 23 say, games he and he only had six points. points. Yeah. So before yeah. that. Like we're talking six and six, four and nine. Like he had, he had some incredible years in the playoffs for NHL teams, and uh, you know what? Deservedly, uh, one of those underrated names, and I, I'm, I'm glad we've included him on this list for sure. Yeah, um, I, I really like Steve Duchesne. I started watching hockey, and he was on the back end of his career, and for some some reason, I really liked him with Detroit. Yeah. Um, I I. I liked Detroit as a kid. I was kind of taught to not like them, but I, I did. 
I like the idea they have these veterans, and I still like teams that kind of do that, that bring the veterans on and not try to, you know, sort of um, give them a free ride to a Stanley Cup or anything like that. But these guys contribute, and um, Steve Duchesne was an example of that. 82-point career high. That's that's worth talking about. Yeah. 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 That's what I mean. He's uh, never necessarily, like, a dominant defenseman in the league. Right. But was always there. Steady. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, he, was, he was there. Uh, like, hell, like, you compare his numbers to to a guy like Zubov, mm-hmm. like, it's it's a conversation, and that's kind of insane because a yeah. lot of people probably don't even know who Steve Duchesne is. Um, but, yeah, number eight on the list. Number seven, Stumpy. Stumpy. Steve Thomas. Uh, uh, a Toronto Maple Leaf great. Uh, played for the Leafs on two official occasions. He also retired as a Toronto Maple Leaf uh, after coming over on a PTO in 2005. He did not make the roster. Um, the lockout will fuck you up, I guess, is one way to look at it. I get you. Um, uh, an incredibly consistent hockey player. Uh, it's worth noting he is the highest scoring player uh, to come out of England. Yeah. Um, which, you know, in and of itself is a, is a pretty large achievement. He came up in 84-85. He played 18 games. He had two points. He was minus 13, which at the time was a concern. Um, not unbelievable. And the next year he played 65 games. He had 57 points and never left the NHL after No. Um, two 40-goal seasons, um, neither with the Leafs, unfortunately. But uh, Scored yeah. some of the biggest goals in the history of the Toronto Maple Leafs, yeah. uh, or at least in the modern era. Um, look, like the way I was introduced to Steve Thomas is he was the most clutch goal scorer you'll ever see. When I started watching hockey, that's what I was told, and I, I, you know, how do you know that for sure? And you look at his playoff numbers, and he, he would get six goals in 11 to 17 games every time with the Leafs, and it felt like all of them were like overtime winners or a third-period goal. or um, He just knew how to score when the game was on the line, unlike a player I think I've ever seen in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, he has so many, so many big goals. If you type his name into YouTube, you're going to get a lot of hits if you don't know who he is. Yeah. He uh, never won a cup, made it to the finals with the Ducks in um, 03. Uh, that was the closest, and uh, that, that was it. Yeah. But uh, definitely uh, a great player, the best England has ever sent to the NHL. Yeah. Uh, number six, Joe Mullen. Mm. Kind of a boring one. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Mullen. Yeah. I mean... You know, um, Joe Mullen, for those of you who do not know, uh, was for a very long time the highest-scoring American-born player. Yeah. Um, He no longer is, but he was for quite a while. Um, Joe spent time with the St. Louis Blues, Calgary Flames, Pittsburgh Penguins, Boston Bruins. Um, He never really had, like, the last couple years. When you get older, you kind of fade off. Mm -hmm. Other than that, he was a point-per-game player almost every year in the league. Uh, he finished with 1,600, or sorry, 1,063 assists uh, in 1,062 games. Yeah. So he had one more point per game that he played, 500 goal scorer, um, and a decent playoff performer uh, for what it's worth, too, with the Calgary Flames in 88-89, which was a good year for the Calgary Flames. Fucking great year. He had, uh, he had uh, 
16 goals and 24 points in 21 games. Yeah. Uh, Joey Mullen, 500 goal scorer, three-time Stanley Cup champion. Uh, definitely memorable for his uh, shout-out in the movie Miracle, in which the boys are saying, What, no Joey Mullins this year? Didn't you hear he signed a pro contract with the Blues, buddy? So, yeah, Joe Mullen. Is that, yeah. Who, who says that line? Oh, uh, Callahan. That was your O'Callaghan? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not from Boston, so. That was supposed to be a fucking Boston. <laughs> from, you're from fucking Boston, bro? Oh, fuck that. That's, that was weak. All right, yeah, Joe Mullen. I don't know. There's nothing really super exciting about Joe Mullen. Like, there isn't, like... No, steady. Just like he's just steady Eddie. He was he's a always good there. Second line winger, which is like kind of my point. James moved him ahead on this list. Like I, I, he he had a better career statistically than Steve Thomas. Yeah, I would argue Steve Thomas had more of an impact during his career I would than not. Joe Mullen. But no. Joe Mullen won a cup and Thomas didn't. So uh, you know what I mean? That's enough. Yeah, I think. Joey yeah. Mullen had for a long, long time. I think Joey Mullen like. He was the reason some guys in America got into the uh, into the hockey sphere. Like, yeah, you're not wrong. He he um, was, he or was, at least got their kids into the hockey. Yeah, sphere. like the the whole Olympic thing, him missing out on the '80 Miracle on Ice team. Uh, you can't hold it against him because like someone came along and gave him a better offer, and he took it, and that's fair. And what he did with that was he turned it into three cups and 500 goals. And, you know, a 50-goal season and a many 40-goal seasons. And he, he was always consistent. You know, he was never the best player in the league, yeah. but he was very consistent. And that's evident by his, you know, point-per-game career. And when it was done, it was done. And he didn't try to stick around longer than yeah. he was due. Yeah. And I, I admire that. you could debate for the next guy on the list. You could. Um, but this is where you finally get to the point on the list where – the six to ten are clearly six to ten. Yeah. And one to five are clearly one to five. Yeah. But there may be some room to debate where you put everyone within sure. these five. Sure. And I could get maybe people at home not agreeing with the order we put these people in, but we put them in the order that we put them in. And the more I think about where number five is. <laughs> It would be nice to put him higher on the list, but like you just can't put him above the other four. No, I you guess. can't. Like it's it's really tough. Number five is Dino Cicerelli. Oh boy, he's actually never drafted. No, for those of you who were not aware, um, I didn't know that either until we looked this up. Yeah, I had no clue. Uh, Dino broke into the league. Obviously, I'm, like I'm sure people at home are aware of him, but if you're not, he's a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame and and is a He's a, he was a good hockey player, man, and, and it kind of had it all, uh, which is what I kind of like about him. Um, he was an asshole. He knew how to piss you off. He was kind of the first real pure agitator where I think he put other people in the penalty box more than people put him in the penalty box, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of what I liked about him. He was kind of the first of his kind in that sense other than maybe Gordie Howe. Um yeah, came in the league in 1980 with the Minnesota North Stars, played for the North Stars Capitals, the Red Wings, the Lightning, and the Florida Panthers. You know, went to the retirement home the last four years of the league there, two with Tampa and two yeah. with Florida. Um, Only one cup final appearance with the Red Wings in 95. Yeah. Never yeah. got the cup. Never got it. 
608 goals, though, which is... 608 goals. Wow. What does that put him on? Unreal. Uh, he's... That's got to be top, top 15. 10. Top 10, no? Top 10, maybe, yeah. I didn't think there were that many. Okay. Anyway, keep talking. I'll yeah. Um, you know, obviously, he had some big years from Minnesota in the 80s. 200-point uh, seasons. Uh, but just never, you know, Minnesota was never one of those teams that was going to, you know, really contend at that period in time. And um, Dino is, I always loved him. Yeah, he's you in know. the top 10. I was fucking way off. Um, Dino was 18th, uh, okay. 608. He's actually currently tied with Alexander Ovechkin. Unless Ovechkin scored tonight, I don't know if this page was updated. Probably not. So maybe Ovechkin, well, Ovechkin, seven goals. He scored tonight. tonight. He did? He did. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. I guess Cicerelli's 19th on the list, we'll say. Sorry. Um, But, yeah. Yeah. Awesome career. Yeah. Uh, Is incredibly loved by the fans that loved him. Go to the net, get a goal. Tito Cicerelli, for sure. Yep. If you want bread, go to the bakery. If you want money, go to the bank. If you want goals, go to the net. Yeah. Uh, Brooks like originally said that, but Dino Cicerelli yep. is the embodiment of that. So, um, where are we at? Number four. Peter Stasny was never drafted. Unreal. Um, yeah. Unreal. The uh, the Stasnys have come to define an era of NHL. Um, Peter was the second highest scoring player in the 80s behind Wayne Gretzky. So if you take Gretzky out of the game, which you can't, but if you did, it would be Peter Stasny that led the 80s in scoring, which I think you have to kind of commend in its own right. It was a high era of scoring, but you're talking about guys like Marlon Mew, Dale Howardchuk, Steve Yajeman, Marcel Dion. Uh, He scored them all, and he never really got the respect, I felt, that other players in that era got. Maybe it was because he was undrafted. What well, what is worth noting about Peter Stasny and why I ended up like why we ended up putting him underneath the next person on the list is like with that note, Stasny had his his prime purely in the eighties. Sure. Because he started in nineteen eighty, hundred and nine points, hundred and thirty nine points, one twenty four, one nineteen, one hundred, one twenty two. 77 in only 64 games, 111, 85, and then in 89-90, he had 62 points in 62 games. After that, he didn't play, if my math is correct, more than like 250 games and barely got like 150 points. Kind of fell off because of injuries. Yeah, Um, it's fair. It just kind of went away. For Peter Stasny, um, but in the 80s, an absolutely purely dominant scorer with, I respect him for sticking around for 10 years with the Quebec Nordiques. Yeah. I actually think that's another point. Now, he granted, he had his brothers, but... Yeah, well, we're talking about a Calder trophy winner here, uh, well over a point-per-game type of player. Um, and, I, and I think, like, beyond his accomplishments statistically... Um, Peter Stasny kind of opened the door for European hockey. Yeah. Like, Boris yeah, Salming, no, yeah, no, right. he was he was a trailblazer to some degree. Yeah. But we're talking about, like, Sweden was a different state in the 80s. Yeah. Um, the Czechs were under the, uh, you know, the, the Iron Curtain 
of uh, the Russian influence. Uh, these guys had to defect to come over, and it was within the next decade that we had guys like McGilney and Bure and Larianov coming over to make their name in the NHL. And I honestly, I believe that Stasny was a big part of that. And without him, uh, the NHL would have would not have been where it is today. And I, I think that warrants some respect, uh, you know, beyond his accomplishments. Yeah. Statistically. Yeah. I mean, he was uh, obviously an uh, incredibly impressive player uh, for what it was worth. I actually have to go back because I exited it. Um, final career points, too. Like, when you hear him. Yeah. 1,239 points yeah. in 977 games. The, the guy played, for yeah. sure. He, he played He played in an era where those are kind of stat-friendly, yeah. but at the yeah. same time, um, yeah. Yeah. Good for him. Good play. Uh, number three is Borier Salming. Right. He, uh, well, and, and I mentioned him, but, like, he... Uh, He's kind of in that era of hockey where, you know, the numbers aren't as great as Stasny's were, but his well, contribution, well, that, but he was, like, the contribution that he made to the game, unprecedented. You're talking about a Swedish all-star that comes to the North American market, makes a name for himself, and performs admirably. Um First, unbelievably, really. Yeah. Like, if you think about it, like he had, uh, I want to say it's eight double-digit goal seasons. Yep. Which, like, again, he played in an era with Bobby Orr and like you know other good defensemen, but like that's not that wasn't easy to do. Like it wasn't, you know what I mean? It wasn't like you walk mm -hmm. all over everyone. Mm -hmm. Like, um, he still did a lot more than a lot of other guys that played in set era. No, right, and like he never got the Norris. He never got the Cup. But he was always one of the best defensemen, uh, at least through the through the seventies. He retired in nineteen ninety. His game really fell apart near the end there in the latter half of the eighties. But for for a good for a good ten years from seventy three to eighty three, you could put him in that category of of the top ten defensemen in the league, yeah. which was tough because you got Bobby Orr in that in that conversation. Um, and and again with him being Swedish, it it opened up something entirely new to the NHL that I think no one had ever considered yeah. before. Uh, the European market. He he is something to a team that no one on this list is as no. well. Yeah. In the sense that he is a Toronto Maple Leaf great, and he is of sense like. A folk, a folk hero in yeah. Toronto. Yeah. Like, like he is... comes to tons of games, and people are really excited to see Borier Salming. And I grew up having no idea who he was, other than the fact he played for Leafs and he was one of the best players I've ever. Yeah. Played. Like, is is there a Nick Lidstrom? Is there an Eric Carlson without Borier Salming? Hard to say. I, I but yeah, maybe I not. That too. Yeah. It's hard to say. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He. Um, Deservedly, number three. Yeah. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Two. He also, uh, oh. for what it's worth, in 1986, was suspended by the NHL for the entire season because he admitted he tried cocaine. So I also like Borea Salming for. Just fucking. Just 
Fuck the NHL. Okay. He, he, yeah, he was he was making the NHL look stupid long before the NHL. Knew he was making stupid. the NHL look stupid before Tom before Wilson was, was making the NHL look stupid. How's that? Ayo. Hey, okay. Right. Um, there are only two logical choices left on the list. Good. However, we put them in an order with which it can be debated whether or not we put them in the right order. Um, now it's worth noting that number one on the list is my favorite player of all time. However, before we ordered them, James put them in this order. Yeah. So, this was not... This was James's call before I had any bias in there. Definitely. But... My favorite player was drafted, so, you know. <laughs> that's... It's fine. That must be fucking nice. Yeah. Uh, number two on the list is Adam Oates. Oh, boy. Uh, at, uh, oh, boy. Adam Oates it was... Uh, Fucking remarkable hockey player. Yeah. Um, 100 points four times. He led the NHL on 75 different occasions per season on having the most assists. That's that's not a real stat. Um, but he, <laughs> uh, yeah, 1985 to 2004. He actually retired on an Oiler. Wow. Never really realized that, but yeah. Um, yeah, he had over... 80 assists uh, three times. Um, just an unbelievable playmaker. A fantastic center. Yeah. Uh, he played for the Red Wings, the Blues, the Bruins, the Capitals, the Flyers, the Ducks, and the Oilers at the end. Um, many people have said the smartest player they've played with. Um, I watched him play. He was very smart. He was a he like a, just an unbelievable play, playmaker and just like a, kind of a like a, a role model, I guess, for a lot of young players because he was he was just so good at what he did. At, at some point in the future, we're going to do a top 10 list of players that have never won a cup. And I'm going to make a strong argument for Adam Oates being on, you know, the top half of that list. Yeah. Um, this is a guy that had the fifth most assists in the history of the NHL. Yeah. The fifth most in the history of the game. Guy went undrafted. Hall, oh sorry, Hall, Hall and Oates. Um, you, you like he got moved around a lot, but you're a rich girl, but you never know. <laughs> oh yeah. He, he, you can rely on the old man's money. Get it. You can rely on the old man's money. It's a bitch, girl. And you know, too. Fun and half, obviously. It's a money, money. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> all right. It's, it's been a good long yeah. episode for sure. But, uh, no, he, he had a long career. And the guys he played with helped him out. I'll, I'm not going to sit here and say that. You know, he didn't play with Ray Borks and Brett Hulls and Steve Yeisermans, but he held his own. Well, and he put the numbers up. But, but and again, like, it's not to say he's the most, like, the most talented assist, like, no. playmaker ever. No. I'm sure there's a lot of guys who played with players that couldn't do fuck all for them. Yeah. You yeah. have to have the ability to find the guys that can score the goal. Who's to say that Brett Hull... Would have scored as many goals without Adam Oates. Exactly. Yeah. Ray Borg. Yeah. Um, Adam Oates has always been one of my favorite players. I have always liked Adam Oates. And putting him second on this list was tough. But number one, 
is indisputable. There is no way to take away um, his impact on the game. His accolades speak for themselves. His trophy mantle is filled. We're done with Adam Oates. (laughs) I love Adam Oates, but we got to move on. Number one, your favorite player, Uh, Marty St. Louis. Without a question, it's Marty St. Louis. Yeah. Um, he, he, in an era where you needed to be big, you needed to be over six feet tall. You found a way to be small. You needed to be of a certain type of grit. Um, Marty kind of reinvented the idea of grit. Yeah. And, um, like... You you could literally make a documentary about Marty St. Louis, about everything that he went through. But um, essentially, he was undrafted. He got picked up by the Calgary Flames. Uh, the Flames gave him a chance. Uh, he played there for uh, kind of up and down for, I guess, parts of two seasons. Uh, he played a total of 69 games with the Flames. Uh, he had 20 points in those games. It's kind of fair mm-hmm. that they gave up on him. Immediately when he went to Tampa Bay, who was kind of struggling at the time, but they were kind of making moves. They brought in Javi Boulin the same year. Yeah, they had um, uh, LeCavier. He was young. They brought in LeCavier. They drafted Richardson. Uh, after, Boyle, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, exactly. They um, quickly in 2000 basically built the foundation for their 2004 Stanley Cup. Uh, in that year, Marty St. Louis had 94 points. Uh, which I believe led the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, Marty St. Louis, in a year where his team won the Stanley Cup, was there for every step of the way. Yeah. Um, he, he just an absolutely remarkable uh, player. If I read his honors here, like we'll do it quickly. Um, he's a six-time All-Star. He uh, was a first-team uh, All-Star one time. Uh, he won the Art Ross Trophy twice. He won the Lester B. Pearson once. He won the Hart Memorial Trophy in 04, having led the league um, in points. He won the Stanley Cup in 04, second-team All-Star an additional four times. He won the Lady Bing three times, which I think in and of itself also speaks for what he did. And he was elected uh, to the Hockey Hall of Fame. He'll be inducted next month. Mm-hmm. Um for me, he also won uh, two. Well, he won one gold medal, and um, it was also uh, part of the world championship team in '04. Yeah, he's got gold medals. He's played around the world and uh, finished his career uh, 1,134 points in 1,000. Or sorry, 1,134 games, 1,000. 33 points. Um, he um, he was, I think he was the oldest Art Ross winner in the history of the game as well. His second Art Ross in 2012-2013. Yeah. He was, I think I that was the oldest at the time. Yeah. Too. He was like 38 years old. Yeah. Second, uh, third last season, I guess, in the league. Yeah. Um, always dependable. Always there. Didn't matter if it was the Cavalier, Stamkos. He was yeah, it didn't matter. It, it, like it he took, went to New York, he, he worked he there. Yeah, the test of time to people to see that he was the face of that team. Yeah, because the way you go in too, like 
it's hard to be the face of a team when you kind of just get in there. Like, you just kind of slide into that mm-hmm. team. And as time goes on, like, it's hard to understand that this is the guy for your franchise. But uh, he absolutely was. Like, he, he was the face of the Tampa Bay Lightning in their heyday. Um, he went to New York. Unfortunately, couldn't get, couldn't get done there. Went to the finals, but, you know, yeah. what is what it is, I guess. And... I uh, would imagine I'm the only person in Thunder Bay with a Marty St. Louis New Definitely. York Rangers jersey. Definitely. But I have one. Yeah. And I was on board for that. And uh, that is, I guess, for future episodes, a reason why I have uh, a soft spot for the New York Rangers. Sure. Because I... Have been wishing for them to win. I have a spot. I have a soft spot for the Rangers because we were both Rangers when we met. So, little awe moment there from the ladies listening to the podcast for sure, or Mike Wern. But yeah, no, Marty, Marty St. Louis. I never had anything that I you know bad to say against him. I will say that I was rooting against him in the '04 Finals. I was on the Flames train for sure. And I was rooting for him uh, with the Rangers in 2014 when they went to the finals and they lost. So I'm just bad luck in what, that regard. What, I, what but... I will say, and like I guess to kind of tie it to your soft spot that you nice. just kind of put up there, it, like I, I will not make, uh, you know, I, I won't try to hide this at all is uh, I, I continuously will watch that goal that he scored on Mother's Day um, less than a week after his mom died, um, who was a pretty well-known figure while mm-hmm. he was in the mm-hmm. NHL. She was at the games all the time. She was well involved in his career. She passed away while they were on that Stanley Cup hunt in 2014 with the New York Rangers. Um, and Marty St. Louis returns to the Rangers lineup uh, a day after his mom's funeral, plays on Mother's Day and scores the opening goal in the first few minutes. And, and literally every single time I watch it, it, it is really hard for me to, to hold back tears. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine being in that um, situation as someone who, you know, my mom was also a big part of my playing hockey and uh, was around for a lot of that. And, just having watched the guy for so many years and you, you get you get to see his mom in the media and everything like that and she was just such a lovely lady um and to see that it, it was uh it's it it might be my favorite goal ever and it's i mean it fucking hits a shin pad it's a fucking ugly yeah, goal yeah but it's uh it's it's one of those moments man that uh that makes you really appreciate the game and uh yeah Favorite player of all time. I could go on for hours, but I we don't want to do that. Yeah, I'll have a bonus uh, podcast where we talk about uh, Marty St. Louis for five Sure, hours. sure. The Marty St. Louis story. Yeah. So <laughs> just to recap, story the Trevor story. Just story. to recap on the evening, uh, the uh, Canucks did beat the Flames tonight, and uh, the Ducks, I guess, came back to beat the uh, Sharks. Nice. So uh, we're winning the division, boys. I wouldn't get that excited, but uh, that's that's night one. Leafs, Ducks, Canucks, and Caps. Those are your winners. Night one. Caps raise the I banner. You're trying to like make like a uh, no, I was not like a Dr. Seuss sort of rhyme there. Like 
One fish, two fish. Leafs, ducks, Canucks. Green eggs Who and ham. A fox? Yeah, that's that's your night one. Uh, John Tavares versus the Leaf. Caps raise the banner. Uh, Elias Pettersson for essential goal. Don't know exactly what happened in the Sharks uh, game, I guess. But uh, yeah. Kane had a sick dangle. Sure, Kane had a sick dangle. Says Mike Warren. Yeah. Good enough for me. Um. Okay, a little bit of housekeeping here, just okay. to okay. make sure um, to try to get the podcast to the point where we would like to get it to, because clearly there are people who enjoy listening to the podcast. Uh, follow us on Stitcher as well as the iTunes podcast app, uh, Spotify, or on several other platforms. Tell your friends. Uh, follow us on Twitter if yep. you can yep, at yep. Uh, at Laced Up Pod. <laughs> At Laced Up Pod. Yeah, yep. that's what it is. Yep. At Laced Up yep. Pod. Um, we're probably going to make a Facebook and uh, Instagram. Instagram account for yeah. your friends and family who do not necessarily have Twitter. We're around is what we're saying. Just tell them to get Find Twitter. Find us. It's, we're uh, easy. We're, we're happy. We're tell your family to get Twitter. It's, uh, if you hate your family, it's a good place to be. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Fuck. So, Every day is a brutal existence. So good huh? life if you don't weaken, <laughs> said someone. <laughs> Great. Once before. Um, so. Okay. Cool. Anything else we got to mention? No, I hope not. I'm sure we forgot something in terms of. Oh, we're drunk. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Yeah, we gotta. We gotta. Explains it. a lot. Okay. Okay. Um, we'll be back for next Friday, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, we should have a guest in the next couple weeks. Yeah, coming up. Other than that, uh, yeah, I think we're good. Stay tuned. Okay. Okay. Alright. Oh, big gulps, huh? Alright. Well, see you later.
Gonna put me in a cell if I can't go to heaven with a 